Last week, we started talking about a timeline of the road to redemption, and really where we started was back at the confession when Heather confessed to being unfaithful in our marriage, and we sort of told what really took place over the next three days, and that's as far as we got, but we told that with kind of some things that we would recommend to people, and then some things that maybe we didn't get quite right, and so now we're going to pick up where we left off, and we're going to go a little bit further into the story and just kind of give some examples of some things that we did and things we did well and maybe things we didn't do so well, so stay tuned. Hello, folks. Welcome back to the Redeemed Marriage Podcast. This is Rusty and Heather Bryant. And this week, we are moving forward with part two. Um, maybe there's going to be a part three. Who you knows? just never know. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> yeah, we didn't really get as far as we wanted to get last week, but uh, that's okay. We we have started. If you haven't listened, please go back and listen because what we're really trying to do with this is um, we kind of want to spell out a timeline almost of the of the first year after Heather confessed. And we made it three days. <laughs> oh, my goodness. No. But we knew we, because we knew that those first three days were just uh, it was such a whirlwind. And there was so much that took place in those three days. And as we were telling it, I think we realized, you know, how much, I guess, insight that we kind of had to give to people as far as, you know, things that maybe we didn't do so well, Mm -hmm. but then also things that miraculously were just spot on, at least for our story. Yeah. And, so, and, yeah. and even sometimes where we didn't think we did it well, but looking back, we did. And that was just all the hand of God in that. Well, I've said this so many times that, you know, we were searching for somebody and a story that was similar to ours where we could maybe have some sort of a blueprint of how to handle mm-hmm. life um, through those, you know, those first days and even weeks and months and even the first year or more. And it's just not, there's not a lot of out, not a lot out there. And so we kind of wanted to give this as this was the blueprint of our story. And we know everybody's story is different, but we hope that, you know, whatever you're going through, that you can pull bits and pieces um, maybe, and you can look at our story and go, well, hey, you know, they got to this point. So maybe we should evaluate and see what maybe we missed or maybe what we should be doing. So, all right. So we're going to, we're going to pick up, basically, we talked about the first three days and just all of the stuff that had to go on after you confessed. And we really got to that third day to where now everything was, everything was out, the whole story. It was very public at this point. And so the next few days, really the next week, was was a big, big part of our story and just getting through that next week. So just to give you, um, just to pick up from the timeline and where, you know, where we headed after that. So Heather was staying with her mom and dad, and we did not know how long that was going to last, basically indefinitely for all we knew. Sure. And, but we were being very careful. So um, if you listened to last week, you know that, 
me and the boys went and stayed at my parents for a night, just tried to make it a fun, hey, you know, mom's not here tonight, so we're going to have a sleepover at Nana and Granddaddy's. And so as we were having our sleepover, you were at your parents. And if you'll remember, I, I had your phone. Mm-hmm. Um, not that if you'll remember. No, if the listeners <laughs> if will the remember. listeners will remember. <laughs> I had Heather's phone. And uh, it was great. Uh, because that really took a lot of pressure off. It's just just me knowing that there wasn't going to be any more communication. Um, and, like, I just needed that for peace of mind. Now, one of the things that it did cause me, it caused me to go down rabbit holes mm-hmm. of searching through text conversations with lots of people. Right. And, of course, you know, I'm sure that you had deleted a lot of stuff, but there was a lot of stuff that I just would go back, and, I mean, I was just constantly searching. You know, I just wanted answers. And I don't know how much of that was good. Um, You know, excuse me, I do know that having your phone just because you didn't have it. Right was a was a really good thing for me. And the fact that you were, whether it was willingly or unwillingly, but I don't know how that all went down, but you gave it up and you were okay. Like you didn't force me to give you your phone back. Yeah. Well, I do remember that on that night, you told me that if I, if there was any more contact, um, whether text message, phone call, in person because we just had, you know, the um, incident the day before. So it was, if you have any more texts, phone calls, personal encounters, anything with him, then we're done. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to take the boys and we're going to be done forever. Like this was you drawing the line in the sand. So to be honest, I can remember back and thinking what a relief it was to me that you had my phone because you knew there wasn't going to be any contact there. Right. And I was with my parents. So I knew that I was covered as far as I wasn't going to do anything to make things worse. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that whether I was willing or not, that was keeping me safe and protected. So I, I actually do remember being thankful that that just wasn't even an issue for me. Yeah. I think that this next part is really important for people because we get the question a lot about, you know, what do you tell the kids? When Mm -hmm. do you tell the kids? And again, every kid has, you know, you know your kids and their personalities and what they can handle. And obviously age Mm -hmm. plays a big part in it, all of that kind of stuff. But we just knew that for the foreseeable future, our life was going to be a little bit different mm-hmm. or a lot different. And we wanted to protect our kids as best we could. And we wanted them to have as normal of a life as they could while we were trying to figure out. Because to be real honest, we didn't know if we were going to make it. That's right. Um, I mean, this was not something I know people can look at our story and just think that, you know, oh, you know, it happened. And then we decided to stay together. Well, this was a process. It was. And so we decided that we were going to sit down and and tell our kids. And I think we got some counsel um, from our first counselor. Right. I think he had said, you know, make sure that you 
sit down with them. You don't have to give them any details. But the main thing is you don't want them to think that they played a role in right. whatever's happening. Right. So And that they're smart enough to know that something is going on. Yeah. So not to just ignore it and pretend, you know, try to keep things quote, quote, normal mm -hmm. in the way that you think you're doing a good job because you're not, because they are very in tune mm -hmm. and and would know mom and daddy aren't under the same roof. Something's going on. Yeah. And even if you are under the same roof, they can, you know, they pick up on the tension and, you know, even if you think you're being, you know, secretive enough, yeah. they're, they, they're, they're smart little things. Oh yeah, for sure. And so I think that that we did the we did the right thing to where we sat them down on that Saturday. Mm -hmm. So so everything came. I mean, Tuesday was when you confessed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we had the and we had to sleep over Friday night after everything came out mm -hmm. on Friday. So on Saturday we decided to to talk to the kids and we chose to do that in front of Heather's parents. Mm -hmm. And the this main, was on Saturday. Yes. Yeah. And the main reason for that was we never wanted one of us, one or the other, to be able to play the whole he said, she mm -hmm. said, mm -hmm. or well, you should have heard what he said in front of the kids, right? or what she said in front of the kids, or she's, you know, just all of that. So we knew that if her parents were there, that they would always be a witness to what mm -hmm. was told to the kids. And so we basically said, hey... You know, mom and dad, we ba well, we didn't even say mom and dad. We said mom mm -hmm. is having some some problems or mm -hmm. issues that mm -hmm. she's working with, and she needs to be with her mom and dad mm -hmm. right now. And so she's going to stay here, and it's nothing that you guys did, you know, that kind of thing. Sure. That was basically the gist of yeah, it. Yeah, because I was able to say that I was able to say, you know how when you're hurting or like I was talking to the kids and I said, you know how, cause they were what? Five and nine 10, and, nine and five. five and nine. Okay. So, um, I was able to say, you know how, when you're hurt or when you're sad, you want to be with your mom and dad. Like that's, that's the comfort for you. And I said, and for me, I feel the same way. Um, mom, you know, is having some trouble and I'm sad and I'm hurting and I just need to be with my mom and dad for a little while. Mm -hmm. And they understood that yeah, because they're like, yeah, I get that when I'm hurting, I want to be with y'all. Mm -hmm. And so, and it, and I was thinking it was going to be this huge big deal and it just wasn't right. They were like, okay, yeah. you know, yeah. it just, it didn't really affect them. And I think that because of that, our next several days, we really went out of our way to make life very normal mm -hmm. for them. And so even, you know, as they would go to bed at night, you were at home helping mm -hmm. them to, you know, bathe and get put in bed and stuff. And then you would leave. Mm -hmm. And your dad, actually, you didn't, you weren't mm -hmm. driving. Your mm -hmm. dad would actually come and get you and take you to their house. And then before the boys ever woke up the next morning would bring you back. Yep. And, you know, the thing, the thing about that is... Again, there was not a deliberate, I want to hurt you, but I feel like that was an important part of you feeling the weight of mm -hmm. some of, some of the consequence of what you were doing. I mean, I, I'm just assuming, I don't know that we've ever talked about this a whole lot, but just you having to 
get your kids ready for bed and put them in the bed and then leave. Right. Yeah. Like oh, that yeah. had to be mm-hmm. heartbreaking. Sure. And, and you had to be feeling, what have I done? Yeah. And I, I mean, I have journal entries from that time where it, I was heartbroken. It was, it was absolutely, I was starting to feel the weight that it wasn't just my sin, that I was hurting other people. Mm-hmm. I still was not in, I sinned against God that mm-hmm. I still wasn't there yet, but I knew that my conse- that my actions were causing consequences that affected more than just me. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people get stuck here. Like I think that me having to be away from them was really, really good mm-hmm. um, because I felt the weight of that. And I, I'm super proud of you for establishing that mm-hmm. because, and, and granted, we had two sets of grandparents around here. Yeah. Like I'm not taking that for, for granted because, you know, we counsel people and I talk to, to, um, women a lot where they're just living in the same house and continuing on like normal, trying to th- keep things normal for their kids, but they aren't feeling mm-hmm. the, the break that is happening in their family mm-hmm. um, because they're trying to keep things glued together for the kids and appearances to the outside world where ours was so public that nobody thought anything about the fact that I wasn't living at home. Yeah. <laughs> but, but if you, if it's not public, then if people know you're leaving and going and spend the night at a friend's house or at, you know, grandparents house, then that raises questions. And I get that. Yeah, I, this is one of those that that's really hard for me to say, did we get this right? And in our case, we we did. We sure. definitely did. But it was it was a lot of it was because of the support of our family mm-hmm. and the support of your parents and how they, you know, sort of took you back in as, you know, their little girl and yeah. tried to help you. Because there's a lot of times people people have asked us, well, should we just separate for a time? Right. And 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 I have a hard time telling people to separate. And and honestly, I don't. What we did, I don't feel like I wouldn't call that. We weren't separated. Mm-hmm. We just we just were giving ourselves space. Mm-hmm. Um, if, you know all the reasons we've already talked about, but. When I think about couples and they've been they've been maybe counseled to even separate mm-hmm. or hey, y'all need to separate and live separately for three months mm-hmm. or whatever it is, the danger in that to me is is that it normalizes right. being apart. Well, and it becomes easy yes. to be apart. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I, you know, I can think of a specific couple that um that I heard that about and somebody said, yeah, their counselor told them that they needed to separate and there was like even supposed to be an end date. Mm-hmm. And I remember telling who was telling me, I remember saying, oh, there, there's no way that they'll, mm-hmm. they will, they will get a divorce. And right. they did. Yeah. And, and now I'm not saying that it happens to everybody. Cause sure. I, I mean, there's probably some people who's like, Oh, that's the best thing that ever yeah. happened. Yeah. I'm, I, that's great. But I, I feel like that once you do that, if you're not work, I mean, we were working our tails off mm-hmm. to make it still normal. It wasn't like, oh, go visit mommy. Yeah. Oh, come visit daddy. Yeah. It wasn't that. I mean, we were making life normal, but there were just, I didn't want you in the house at night. Right. You know, I, I did not trust you enough to have you 
in mm-hmm. my house. Right, right. You know, at that and point. you were, you know, you didn't know where I was mentally. And so, you know, you were yeah. trying to make sure you were protecting the boys. And I mean, like all of your reasons were valid. And, you know, something I want to speak into this is I felt like I kind of lost my voice in it, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Like I, I never felt like I should argue with you. Now I did, I did, I do remember asking if I could come at night. I mean, if I could come over and help get the kids ready for mm-hmm. bed, the boys ready for bed. And you were like, that's fine as long as you're gone. And, and I said, can my dad bring me? And I mean, my dad would wake up at 5 a.m. Yeah to drive me back over here before we had to get the boys up. And, you know, and I remember asking for that privilege and you graciously accepting it because it kept things normal for the boys. Well, yes. And because I agreed to that because you were a good mom. Right. You know. Oh, well, I mean, not right, but thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And like, so it wasn't to me, it wasn't fair to punish them and to punish you. Sure. As a mom. Yeah, that's um, a good But point. there were ways, I, I mean, f- you know, again, it just worked out the way it was supposed to sure. work out for that's us. Right. That's right. Um, hey, uh, we just got through one more day. <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> Wait, I just the 30 keep... minutes isn't over, is it? No, no, no. Oh, okay, no. I can't see no, the clock. No. Um, but so so then we flipped the calendar to Sunday. Wait, I wanted uh, to speak into oh, Saturday because of the soccer game. Do you yeah, remember that? yeah. Well, and and I forgot another part of that is that we kept getting I had your phone. Yeah. And oh, yeah, I was getting part. texts. Mm-hmm. Um you know from all sorts of people. All sorts of people. So, mm-hmm. we'll go into details, but a lot of stuff that I needed to handle. Mm-hmm. Uh or one of us needed to handle. And I didn't think that it was right for you to handle it because I knew I needed to be really firm in some Mm -hmm. of those conversations. And also, I kind of wanted to be the one in control of what was being said. Right. And so, but here's the thing that I did. It would have been really, really, like some of them made me angry. And it would have made it would have been really easy for me to say something in a text that would have forever been a text that somebody could have printed out or you know shown that I said this or mm-hmm. you said this or whatever. And so this is just another example of be very careful. So this is one of those things that you can that you can take what we're saying and maybe use it uh, in your in your own life in anything, but. I would get really good counsel before wise I would answer. Counsel. Yeah, wise counsel before I would respond. And in fact, one that was a really hard conversation or a hard response, I didn't even write it. Mm-hmm. I had my mentor wrote it and said, "Here's what I would say." Right. And I copied and pasted mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So yeah. Um, because I knew I wasn't in the it, right frame right. of mind that's to right. be able to answer in the correct way. Amen and so. amen. Yep. And then the win for that day was we went to a soccer game mm-hmm. um, to watch our oldest son play. and Our we oldest were, that was nine. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And he um, had a chance to win the game with a penalty kick. 
Mm-hmm. Like it was the last second foul in the box if it went in. And I'll never forget you walking down close to me. And you said he needs a win. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he needed the win or if we needed the yeah, win. Our family but our just family needed just win. needed yeah. the win. And he scored and we both just sobbed. Yeah. I mean, we just stood there and mm-hmm. sobbed. And of course he didn't know the the yeah. depth of why we were crying, but um yeah. but it was just a sweet, a sweet moment. It was one of those God winks. That's right. And just just was a, re- a really sweet reminder. Um yeah. And so now to Sunday. Yeah, the next day, uh, <laughs> we we did. Um, I I, th- I think I asked you. I said, "Can can we go to church together?" Mm-hmm. Um, but we left. Did not stay in town. We went to uh, actually the, the the guy that was mentoring me already. Um, we went to his church. We did not know a single mm-hmm. person there, which was great. Yep. And so we just got to go and just be real. And, and I, I just remember that being, I mean, I can still vividly picture where we were in the mm-hmm. building, everything. Mm-hmm. So it was just a great, um, a really great experience. And yeah. I think that that was, that was a smart thing to do because we knew that we had to have the help of God to make That's it through right. what we were about to face. That's right. That's right. So on Monday, are we going to Monday already? Yeah. Okay. So on Monday, we found a new counselor. Yes. And what a great reminder. Yes. Find yes. a counselor that works for both of you. That's right. And, oh, man, we hit a home run. We hit a home run with our counselor. And um, it was a she. Um, I am very passionate about women counseling women and men counseling men, but but. But because we were there together, then and and we did you did go see her a couple of times by yourself mm-hmm. later on. But if you're searching, especially for a long time counselor, make sure that you find find somebody the same sex as you. Yeah, it's and just, just so important. we don't forget to talk about this because this is part of the redemption story. Heather went. To, we went to counseling most of the time together, mm-hmm. and we did every week for I would say. I don't know, two or three months maybe. Mm -hmm. And then she acknowledged that we were doing really good and we could spread it out. And I think we continued for probably six months or so. Yeah, yeah. And But in mixed in there, you would go by yourself fairly often. Right. And I think I only went, I might have only gone once, but I remember it's telling you i i need to go by myself mm-hmm. and work through some things yeah <clears throat> and it was great so yeah. i just wanted to make sure that we that we pointed that out that we we did counseling very regularly for mm-hmm. um for a while and it was vital but with that same in that same um uh sentence we didn't go for the first three weeks because she was out of town. Because remember, we went, it was either two weeks or three weeks, and she was going out of town. Like oh, she yeah. said, I'm leaving to go out of town. So before you leave the yeah. parking lot, yeah. you need to have a mentor. Like that's why she was pushing a mentor so hard because she was going to be out of town for the next two weeks. Mm. And we were like, you know, that felt like forever, eternity when we were sitting where we were sitting. And so, but again, 100% in the perfect timing of God, because 
I don't think if she went out of, if she was not going out of town, I don't think she would have spoken so firmly about me getting mm, a mentor. The urgency mm-hmm, of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I remember her saying, I mean, we had a great counseling session. And then she said, I don't want you leaving the parking lot till you have a mentor because you already had one and you mm-hmm. told her that. And so that's when I found my mentor. Mm-hmm. That's when God laid on my heart a woman at our, the church we were at. Mm-hmm. It's the only person I knew that I felt like, could do this. I'd gone to some Bible studies and things of hers, and I happened to have her phone number because I'd asked her some things during um, during a Bible study that I took under her years before. And I remember calling her and thinking, she's not going to answer because I knew she worked full time, and she answered. And, um, and she said, Heather, I, I mean, it wasn't even, hey, how are you doing? She just said, hey, Heather. And she said, I have been on my face for you Mm. since the moment I heard. And I knew that God was calling me to journey with you through this. I was just waiting on you to call. Mm. And if you have not heard my, our podcast with interview with my mentor, Penny D's, please go find it. Yeah. It's somewhere (laughs) around like 27 or 28. It's two years ago, but, um, We'll try to make a note. Oh, yeah. Two years ago. Yeah, 2021 was when we did that series. Wow. Well, it's worth going back and listening to because she is an incredible woman. Mm. And she talks about the importance of mentorship. Mm. And that's that's what I want you to hear me say in right now, that it is so important to have a godly man or woman, Mm -hmm. man if you're the man, woman if you're the woman, to journey with you that can speak wisdom and encouragement and truth over you in a time where your mind is all which away. Yeah. All which away? All which away. All which away. <laughs> all right. So what I want to do here in these last uh, few minutes is I want us to get basically through that next full Friday. week okay. and get to Friday. Um, and then when we come back next week, we're going to really talk more about like the steps because we had to get to ground zero. That's right. And to get to ground zero, once we got there, then we started taking all these all these steps towards That's right. restoration, reconciliation, redemption. But the next week, so this was so on Monday, so everything the confession was Tuesday of the week before. Monday was when we went to our our longtime Count, counselor. Mm-hmm. And then um the next few days were the darkest days of my life. Mm-hmm. And I was, um, I've, I've never battled depression, but it definitely is, if that's what it is, that's the closest I've ever been. And I remember even on Wednesday of that week, my, my best friend that was my college roommate, high school friend and college roommate had come, had driven down to visit me and we went to eat at a restaurant, and I could not even lift my head off the table in the middle of the restaurant. And then that night, when that Wednesday night, I remember not even being able to get out of the bed. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like I could feel spiritual warfare in our home. And somewhere in there, I believe it was maybe the day before, so Monday or Tuesday, I actually told you you could come back to the house and sleep, mm-hmm. but 
that you had to sleep on the couch. Right. And so you had started doing that. Um, and maybe, you know, that may have been what triggered a lot of, because you just being in the house Mm -hmm. and to be honest, I think it was Wednesday when you let me come back and sleep on the sofa. Well, that was the night. And I don't know that I've ever really thought about it this way, but I, there was so much darkness happening even still then in your life Mm -hmm. that you being in the house Mm -hmm. is probably what what caused that that. Mm -hmm. because there was such a spiritual battle going on for your heart and you brought that back into the house. And I, and you know, and it, I mean, spiritual warfare is real. And, uh, and I'm sure that so much of that was transferred over as far as just the battle for me. Mm -hmm. And then there we were under the same roof. Um, but this went on for several days and then Friday, I'll let you tell Friday's coming. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's supposed to be today's Friday, but Sunday's, Sunday's a coming. coming. That's the Friday Easter thing. But you know, for us, it was Wednesday. <laughs> but Friday's a coming. No, it was. Uh, so, so yeah, you can kind of tell, um, and we'll wrap up with this because this basically put us at ground this zero. Put us at ground and zero. And this, hey, we are acknowledging this was fast. Like God did a fast work, yes. and it doesn't always happen this way. Yes. But I do think that it's because of so many of these steps that we were obedient, even getting to this point. So yeah. So um, on that Friday, Rusty just told you about um, his friend, his best friend that came into town, and his wife came with um, came with him, and she was um, a friend, you know, a college friend of mine as well, and. Um, she, along with um, another sweet friend and my mentor, the four of us were at um, a house here um, in Clinton. And, you know, we were just visiting, catching up. And, you know, that well, sounded so lighthearted. Well, they kind of <laughs> lied to you because, Did they? oh, yeah, that, because they had told you they were going to take you shopping. And, That's right. and they may have, that no. might have been part of their plan, but that's definitely how they got you there because you were going shopping and I was actually having lunch with my mentor. Okay. Gotcha. Well, we didn't shop. No, you didn't. (laughs) And so we were just, um, you know, talking, sitting on the couch, um, just kind of in a circle and, um, you know, Rusty affectionately calls this the, um, exorcism, but, and, you know, we joke about that, but it really was a time where the Lord showed up big time for me. Um, my mentor was just praying. We were just, they were taking turns, just praying for me, praying for Rusty, praying for Luke and Logan, praying for our marriage, praying for all those affected. I mean, it wasn't just us, like just everyone affected by, um, what was going on in our, in our lives and, and Penny just was praying scripture over me. And I mean, it just, it, it, it was one of those moments, of course, I'll never, ever, ever forget it in, in all of my time here on earth. But it was one of those moments that I can't put into words um, the power that was, that happened while I was in that room, the power of just breaking chains 
um, breaking chains of bondage that I had been in. And Penny was just praying over me and speaking scripture over me. And my friends were praying over me. And I'll never forget just feeling the weight of my sin for the very first time. You know how you were just talking about being in the restaurant and you couldn't lift your head up? That's the feeling that I had. It was all of the weight of my sin. And, you know, we hear all the time, if you're in in church, um, you hear that when Jesus was on the cross, he took the weight of the sin of the world on his shoulders. And, like, I can't even fathom that because all I had was my sin and the weight of my sin on my shoulders, and I literally could not lift up my head. I had gotten onto the floor because, and I was sobbing and crying, and I couldn't lift up my head, and it was a breaking. It was almost like I felt like my body just broke into a million pieces, and I was just pouring out everything that was in me. I was just sobbing. And I'll never forget Penny putting her hand on me. And she said, God, do not let her let her see her sin without catching a glimpse of her Savior. And at in those in that moment, I was like, I have a Jesus that loves me in spite of what I've done. That in that washing, that feeling of things pouring out of me. It was a washing, a cleanliness. It was just my sin, I felt like was just being washed away. And I don't know how else to describe it, except that when I lifted my head, I was a new person. Mm. When I lifted my head, I was forgiven. When I lifted my head, it was, okay, God, I I know that you have forgiven me. Are the circumstances and the consequences gone? No. But my heart was no longer a heart of stone. It was just, I felt like my heart was just soft in the palm of its hand. And I just was like, okay, God, I'm yours. And whatever you want me to do, whatever you need me to do, I'm ready. And I remember exactly how it went down on my side because I was having lunch with my mentor, Penny, your mentor called me and said, you need to get over here now. And the way that she said it, I just, my immediate reaction was like, I I don't want to hear anything else. Like I can't take any more because I, I felt like I was about to hear more. Mm -hmm. And she said, no, she said, you, you, you want to be here for this. And so I left and it was about a 30 minute drive back to to where you were and I remember um Penny coming to the door but I also remember your friend our our friend Mm -hmm. who the night before had looked at me and said don't believe anything she tells you she had gone to our house to talk Mm -hmm. to you she came all the way out to the soccer fields where I was and said don't believe anything Mm -hmm. she says to you because she knew that you were not trustworthy she just you were you still had this mask on and you were just feeding a bunch Mm -hmm. of bull to Mm -hmm. people she grabbed my face before I walked into that house and she said you can trust her and I was like what in the world (laughs) is going on and when I walked in we sat on the couch and you looked different and we talked and they let us talk and it was incredible and like that was 
the first time that I saw real repentance, real change in you, and that was that was the starting point. That was yep. ground zero. Yep. It's ground zero. And that doesn't mean that our next steps were easy. Oh, no. <clears throat> it's but, not like, oh, everything's better. Yeah. But I had a heart that right. was broken, and therefore I could be made new. Yeah. And our and, marriage could be made new. Yeah, and it had to start with you just being willing to change and have a change in your heart. And that's what happened that day. And so then from that point forward, there were just hundreds of steps along the way. And yeah. so what we want to do is we've already gone way over Sorry. that we normally do, but it's fine. Um, I think that people want to hear this. And next week we'll come back and we'll just start telling some of the things that God did in the road to redemption. And these will be some steps that if you are in a situation in your marriage where you need to start moving forward from a ground zero, these are some things that work for us and we think they'll work for you too. So, hey, thank you guys for listening. We love our listeners and we don't take it for granted that you spend time with us each week. So, We appreciate it, and we will see you next week.